Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 155. In this episode, I have a guest I think you're going to like, but before we do, let me just share a few things with you. First of all, episode 150 seems to have been your favorite. I know I certainly enjoyed uh, just kind of you and I talking and just me sharing some of the ideas I have about the three P's of online uh, marketing, persistent, predictable, persistent presence. Think about those things. Go out there and try them. I'm trying them. I kind of taken my own advice. You're going to start to see, if you're watching this, you're not really probably aware, but Tuesdays and Thursdays, these episodes will start appearing. And I'm probably going to do a lot more of those monologue type ones because the feedback was so positive. So look for that in the future. Also, if you get a chance, visit richardblissblog.com to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, that way I can inform you if anything's going on, if I'm going to be in your area or anything like that. I certainly would appreciate it. And it's a way for us to continue to stay in touch. You can find it at richardblissblog.com. It'll be in the upper right-hand corner. You can go ahead and sign up. All right, another thing is if you're looking for advice, well, I'm guessing you are because you're listening to me right now, visit Facebook. Kickstarter Best Pet Practices is a Facebook group out there that's got great information. Be sure to go take a look. All right, that's it for the public service announcements. Let's go ahead and talk to my guest. My guest today has never been on the show. Um, you know, I have some mutual friends, but I reached out to him because he just wrote a piece on Geek Dad talking about Kickstarter and uh, how he felt Kickstarter was possibly broken. And I read the article, found it fascinating uh, perspective, and invited him on the show. So I'd like to welcome Chuck Lawton, who is a uh, contributor on Geek Dad. And he's been uh, with Geek Dad for the past four years, uh, covering the educational tech space, but also occasionally covering the gaming space and Kickstarter. So, Chuck, welcome to the show. Thanks, Richard. Happy to be here. Okay, so let's uh, just quick background. Uh, I just gave you a little bit of an introduction. Tell, tell us and my audience a little bit about kind of what you do when it comes to writing and Geek Dad and that type of thing. Sure. So, um, like you said, I cover a lot of the um, education technology space, um, but I've done some stuff uh, with gaming, um, and uh, I'm a big proponent of Kickstarter. I was one of the first at Geek Dad to really uh, latch on to what Kickstarter is about. Um, I did a post about uh, a project uh, by Christopher Salmon called The Price, uh, which is a, a film that he's doing on a, a Neil Gaiman short story. Uh, all animated, and I thought the style was really unique. Uh, and I thought the, the method for using Kickstarter uh, to engage with fans and to uh, get funding for his project in a way that he wouldn't have gotten really traditional funding for uh, was, was really fascinating. Uh, and as a, a musician myself and married to a, a wonderfully talented artist and writer, um, I started to see how Kickstarter could really be a play in our, our own creative outlets. Uh, and I uh, was really excited to see uh, what uh, what all transpired uh, in that space and using that platform. And it has, and it, there have been some major transformations. I started covering it in mid early 2011, and you, I think, I saw in your profile you backed some projects back in 2010. In that, in the last two or three years, and it has just completely changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, not only has um, Kickstarter itself changed, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I think Kickstarter uh, as a force within the creative community uh, has just been a, a hugely positive impact uh, for people to to take their creative projects out to an audience that's going to be receptive to those uh, and really test the waters to see if what, what they're trying to do creatively, if, if it even has a market. 
uh, I think that's really great for people to to find out first if, if there's something truly there um, before going to uh, raise money or, or even invest their own money uh, on something that might end up failing uh, and really uh, hurting them in the future. And, that, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about. There has been a lot of uh, exposure both in the board gaming community and in the Kickstarter community and now starting to um, a fallout out into the general public. We've had a high-profile failure to deliver of a uh, Kickstarter project that was finalized last year. It's, refer it's called The Doom That Came to Atlantic City. It is a board game that was uh, funded to the tune of 122000 and some odd extra dollars back in, I think it was about a year ago, wasn't it? Back in uh, mm -hmm. maybe June. And just this past week or so, the creator has come on, made the statement, I paraphrased it and said, sorry, spent the money. I'm not shipping you the game. Uh, some people took exception to that paraphrasing, but that's what I took away from this, that this, uh, the money's gone, there is no game, and we have a, a colossal failure on our hands here. You responded to that with an article. So let's talk about that. What, what point were you saying in this article? What, what, what was it, your intent here? Sure. So certainly there's a lot of hyperbole in the post title saying that Kickstarter's broken and it's all our fault. Um, but the main argument uh, is really, uh, came out of looking at the, the comments that people were leaving on that, that update that that creator uh, had. Um, I, I just couldn't believe the amount of vitriol that was being thrown his way. Um, and it really started, it begged the question to me about what did these backers think they were getting into when they supported the project um, that they feel they've totally been uh, uh, left out, left hanging to dry, you know. Right. And, and you're, you're right. Some of the comments are, you know, legal action. We were defrauded, sure. um, which is pretty strong. That there's intent there, and having looked at the project, and you were aware of the project, I'm not sure I see intent to defraud, but right. gross incompetence maybe. But there didn't, there never appeared to be an intent for, hey, I'm going to go steal a hundred thousand dollars from a bunch of uh, clueless people. Agreed. And uh, so uh, Eric uh, Chevalier is the, the name of the gentleman who I understand now to have been running the campaign, uh, but on the, the project site itself, um, the, he, his name isn't really used. The project is by a company called The Forking Path, uh, and he name drops uh, a number of other people um, as being involved in the project. And, and so when at face value, you look at that and you think you're supporting the, the names that are out there uh, when the money actually had gone to Eric for him to execute on, on uh, the vision that he outlined. Um, and I think it's in that execution where everything fell apart, at least from what I can gather from the posts and updates. And, 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 we, and we would all encourage my listeners, if they haven't already, go take a look at the project uh, on Kickstarter. You can go take a look at it. Um, but we're here to talk about more because your article isn't about the project. Your article is more about the 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 signal that this is sending or how this is a symptom, indicative of a bigger problem, right? Sure, right. So um, certainly there's uh, a lot of responsibility for the creator of a Kickstarter project uh, to really understand what it is they're getting into. Um, and, and Kickstarter has certainly had a lot of high-profile uh, very successful projects to the tunes of uh, half million, a million dollars plus, uh, and that, those bring not only a lot of attention to Kickstarter as a platform, it brings a lot of new, those projects bring a lot of new backers to Kickstarter, so now they're exploring the site and seeing out what else is out there for people to back. Uh, and then it brings a lot of new uh, creators uh, to the project looking for a great way to fund something that maybe they didn't know how to go about funding before. 
And so all of this new influx of people, both on the backers and the creative end, uh, uh, I, I don't know necessarily that Kickstarter is doing enough to help educate them on what they need to do when they're becoming involved in the platform on either side. So from the creator side, uh, you need to have a somewhat of a business plan. You need to know how you're going to go and actually execute on your project once you receive all this money, if you're fortunate enough to do so. Um, and that involves uh, who's going to make it, who's going to pack it, who's going to ship it, um, what are the reward tiers that I have that I'm offering, and how am I going to satisfy all of those rewards? Because not every single Kickstarter project is about the project itself. Um, Certainly things that are creating a book or a game or a, a CD, those are easy reward levels. But for people who are creating an experience, artists, uh, for example, you know, how, how do you then uh, get people from all the reward tiers that you can have? How do you get people to back at higher levels and what are you offering them? And what is your ability to actually to deliver on those? Um, I think a lot of people look at the lump sum money that they can get and go, wow, that's that's a lot of money, uh, $10,000. I can, I can do a lot with that. And then when it comes down to it, uh, it's they they produce their CD, for example, and they have no money left to ship it. And so what do you? Uh, so sure. And so these are these are classic traps that we're seeing time and again. Creators get right. into. This is probably one of the highest profiles that we saw. This we've seen series of them. I've said on the show and online that I was involved with a partner who came to me, uh, had done a Kickstarter project, wanted to do another one with me. Sure, we did it. Um, and then when I went to him, he said, oh, sorry, I spent all the money. And, mm-hmm. and uh, fortunately for us, for me, he then broke up the partnership and launched another project and raised enough money to do all three Kickstarter projects. Otherwise, I would have found myself in the exact same boat, having been the face pitching this. But you made a statement that you feel that Kickstarter hasn't done enough. Kickstarter, the company, hasn't done enough to save these people from themselves. I'm I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but that's what it sounded like you were saying. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about about the uh, responsibility that the, the creator has to satisfy their end. Um, but really, the backers have a responsibility as well to vet the projects. And if backers... Uh, Aren't a lot of backers? I have a feeling now uh, look at Kickstarter as a pre-order platform. That's one of the things I talk about in the article quite a bit. That it's exactly what Kickstarter is not. This isn't Amazon. This isn't uh, seeing a new movie release that's coming out in two months. Reserve your copy now. Um, people shouldn't back Kickstarter if getting the rewards is that important to them. I look at at backers. Uh, I look at Kickstarter as a way to to kickstart a project creator's dream, to make something really important to them come to life. And uh, the backers can get involved um, helping to fund that dream. Um, I don't look at Kickstarter rewards as being the end-all, be-all of why I get involved in a project exactly. in the first place. Exactly. I agree and, 100% with that. And so I think uh, a lot of the vitriol that we saw in the comments on the the Doom that came to Atlantic City came from people expecting that when they turned over the money to get a copy of the game, that they were actually going to get a copy of the game. Um, And I think the creator uh, took a look at Kickstarter and was like, great, I can pre-order, I can run a pre-order system using Kickstarter uh, as a marketing tool to uh, raise funds for this game. Um, and, And he never really tried to involve the community to my, to what I've seen, um, I didn't back the project, so I don't actually see all of the hidden updates. Um, but I don't. I, I've, I've backed 23 other projects to know like, the differentiation between people who really understand Kickstarter as a platform and how it works to engage your audience, and Kickstarter as a marketing platform as a way to just create 
to get a buzz and get pre-orders and, and sure. execute on something that's probably lined up and, and easy to go, ready to go. Um, but but is that Kickstarter's responsibility? Sure, right. I mean, because they've, um, come, they've come out quite adamantly. And, and you and I right now are talking specifically about the board game industry because the go-to-market deliverables and logistics of manufacturing for a food project or a dance project or a video project are vastly different than – this uh, hard, high, high cost, low margin board game space that has become extremely popular on Kickstarter. So, is it their responsibility to figure out what each project creator needs to know in order to be successful in each one of their categories? I mean, that's a tough question because Kickstarter, of course, their their stance is they just host the platform, and it's up to the people who use the platform to uh, to do it properly. They, they coach the backers uh, in, I think, better now than when uh, I helped run my wife's uh, Kickstarter campaign to, to fund a, a self-publication of a book. That was back in um, 2011, I think, 2010, no, 2011. Um, you didn't have to, to, at that time, you didn't have to list when you ex- your expected delivery was. Um, you... And you didn't have getting, the risks and challenges also was not added. Yes, that, that section didn't exist. They, they talked about uh, when you were getting ready to, to, pit, to write up your pitch to the Kickstarter folks for approval, um, they, they were making sure that your project was going to fit within their guidelines of what Kickstarter is supposed to be used for, so no charitable projects, um, that, that type of thing. It had, had to be something creative, and you're going to deliver something that was tangible, um, no stock ownership, for example, that right, kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, uh, and that was basically it. So we went through and detailed what our reward tiers were and just hit send. And they said, okay, great, you can launch your project. And then when we were ready, we flipped the switch and we were live. And, and I understand there's some more restrictions now than there were at that time. Um, but not, but not, not too many. Uh, no, mean, and kick, right. And Kickstarter is not really endorsing. They endorse projects on their their front page, and they have their mailing list um, where you get the the top three that they like this week. But none of those have gone through any kind of vetting process to find out if the person running it or the group running it can actually deliver on the rewards. So, um, so, so, so isn't it possible? And I apologize, we, we've only got a few minutes. Isn't it possible sure. that, though that this very project itself is part of the self correction process that the crowd taught itself? Oops, got burned on this one. Let's make sure as a crowd we don't allow this to happen. I know the board gaming community is rallying is not the right word, uh, are kind of up in arms to say, you know, we don't want this to happen. I think that's some of the anger uh, at this direction. But isn't it possible that the community itself is helping self-correct the problem? And it's, uh, I would hope so. And I would hope that dialogues like the one we're having in the, in the article that I wrote also helps to extend that, that dialogue. I don't know where Kickstarter's role in this should be um, because they, they, it's not, they don't, when you go back, they don't, uh, to, sorry, when you go to back a project, they don't force you to agree to some terms and conditions that says, you, you know, what, it, what exactly it means to back and, and how rewards are supposed to work. Uh, the way the, the whole site is laid out is it, it's very easy for someone to misunderstand what it is that they're doing. And there's the FAQ section that helps explain to backers how the system works, but most people probably don't go to that and check it out. Um, so, and, and also, I don't buy in. I, I see some of the comments that say, "Hey, most Kickstarter in the board. Let's take the board game. Most board game Kickstarter backers are savvy. They've been doing the project before. They know what they're getting into." But I still disagree with that. Um, we have a, a subset of alpha backers 
sure. you're, you're there, I'm there, we, we've been doing this for a long time, and we can kind of get a nose for, hey, something doesn't quite look right. But the, you're right, the vast majority, I mean, this brought in a couple of thousand, 1,200 backers. Some of them, I saw their comments to me and online, this was the first project they ever backed. Right. And don't forget that the board game industry is changing with uh, uh, Geek and Sundry and their involvement in Target and the way that board games are, are becoming a much larger part of uh, household gaming culture, period. Um, and I think this influx, uh, certainly with things like Kickstarter, where you can go direct to people with an idea that doesn't have to go through Hasbro, for example, um, to get something that's a little more unique and uh a little more exciting uh, in front of people, um, cer certainly there's going to be a, a larger audience um, to board games than there used to be. So in our last uh, minute that we've got, is, sure. is Kickstarter broken? I mean, we I gotta, you, so. asked, you asked the question, right? Or you made the statement, right. so now we've got to ask the question. Is it, is it really broken? I don't, I don't think it's broken to the point that it's, that it's no longer feasible. But uh, using a title such as that to get uh, people to, to look at the piece – I want people to be asking themselves where they fit within how Kickstarter is supposed to be uh, used, that this can be kind of a wake-up call. I'd, I'd hate to be reading a year or two years from now that Kickstarter really is broken. And if people can do that self-correction process now, uh, recognize uh, what their role is and how they should use the, the platform, then certainly uh, we won't be writing um, any kind of pieces two years from now about how Kickstarter totally blew up. So has this put you – some people have said that they'll never do Kickstarter again, that this has ruined their experience. Is that you? Do you feel that no, way? No, it's not me. No, certainly not. You're going to be lining up to, to do another project. I'm not going to stop back on projects, and I'll probably end up writing one or uh, running a couple more creative ones yet. Well, in the that's, future. that's good news then. That means uh, – I, I, I still think of all the platforms that are out there to crowdfund, I think Kickstarter still has one of the best going. Um, but I think people need to be cautious about how they use it, both from a creative standpoint and a backing standpoint. Um, there's a level of trust that needs to exist between creators and backers, and a project like this certainly ruined that trust, um, but that cannot be the way things go forward. Excellent. We'll, we'll end it there. Uh, we can keep going on this, but I think that's a great way to end it. Uh, Chuck, I certainly appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, spend it and, and kind of talk about your position on this and your article on Geek Dad. Sure. You've been Thank listening. you very much. Oh, hey, you're welcome. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Chuck Lawton. He is a contributor to Geek Dad, the blog, uh, geekdad.com. His article was um, around the recent failure of the doom that came to Atlantic City. His article is entitled, Kickstarter is Broken and It's All Our Fault. We talked about uh, that article and whether Kickstarter is actually broken. If you'd like to follow Chuck and some of his writing, you can find him on Twitter at nerdfoo, N-E-R-D-F-O-O, -O, or go to Geek Dad and find him as one of the contributing authors. Hopefully you've heard something, well, usually I ask inspiring, but hopefully you've heard something that hasn't put you off to Kickstarter and maybe make you a little bit smarter, a little bit more cautious about putting your project out there. We certainly hope you will put it out there so that we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.